I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with John Cassini, who is a young filmmaker who has made a brilliant and captivating and very compelling film uh, about family, actually. It's a film called Kamala, and it's it's about uh, drug trafficking. It's about um, cycles of violence and about how our family histories sometimes are revealed to us in very strange and interesting ways. It's about money and power. It's about how uh, John t- talks very specifically about how it, intimate stories really can be universal stories. It's about the war on drugs. And it's about, uh, as he says and, and articulates so well, it's about many versions of truth. He says that he wasn't really going to get only one truth, but he ended up with a variety of truths. I'll leave that for you, which leads nicely into this other thing that we discussed, which is, you know, ambiguity in life appeals certainly to me as an existentialist. We we talk about uh, violence and and how it continues on that cycle. As I mentioned earlier, we talk about expectations and about fulfilling them in the context of a, of a family and not, not justifying violence ever in, in, in a, an environment like this, but trying to understand it and, and how, you know, and again, back to the ambiguities and many truths, uh, John talks a, a great deal about how we shouldn't forget the shades of gray. And ultimately, really, this is a film about family. It's about the friends we choose and autonomy. And and as he says so beautifully, a true friendship is with your family. And, and uh, you know, Kamala, interestingly enough, is really a film about learning how uh, to love and, and to listen. Uh, Jean was wonderful uh, in the interview, his film's premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival. And there he was sitting uh, in, I believe, in L.A., 
uh, sitting in, 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 in the room on the call on the interview and he was wearing a t-shirt that said, be a nice human. So how cool is that? And, um, he's currently in Toronto at the festival. By the time you listen to this, hopefully you'll be able to see the film, uh, somewhere online. Stay tuned to face to face to find out more about where that's going to be video on demand. I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to be hearing more about this film and the not so distant future. So coming right up shortly, Kamala with John Cassini and don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and my speaking. Uh, you can get there uh, through that address, but you can also get there at face-to-facelive.ca, which is where the podcast exists, but it's all under one umbrella now. Coming up on 600 interviews, we're getting so close. I've got quite a few in the library waiting to go live and nine or 10 more coming out of this Toronto International Film Festival that I'm currently involved in right now. Some pretty exciting films coming up around the corner. And don't forget, you can sign up for our newsletter there. If you're watching us or listening to us on YouTube, please like the page, but also subscribe to the channel. That would help us a great deal. And then socially mediate us in any way that you can. Get us out on uh, out on the street uh, through Instagram and Twitter. Uh, sign up for our newsletter. We don't send out too many and check back often and, and listen to some of our old episodes. We've got a huge library of value there for sure for those of you who are into film and, and social change of one kind or another. So um, stay tuned, though. Uh, coming right up. Oh, please, too, if you like what we're doing, leave us a review on iTunes. We would appreciate that. But right now, stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. Coming right up, uh, Kamala with John Cassini. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest here uh, today. We, uh, well, hey, this is like a pre-Toronto International Film Festival interview. We have Jean Cassini here to, today to talk about his uh, brilliant and beautiful and very personal new film, uh, Kamala. Jean, thank you for joining me here today on Face to Face. Thank you, David, for the invitation. I'm really excited to be part of it. Yeah, and it sounds uh, sounds like it's going to get a little more exciting for you as you're heading to Toronto for the festival. This congratulations, and uh, I'm so excited for you to to for you to see the film with other people uh, uh, and 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 Q and As and all of that. How are you feeling about that? I'm a little bit nervous, if I am honest, because I I think that being in this festival, even though it is it is a great entrance for sure, but at the same time you feel a certain commitment. So now it's going to be the first screening. It's going to be the first time an audience is going to watch the final film. And also it's like, I'm very curious about how people is going to react because even though I have a sense that the film can be quite universal, I think that it's going to be, I mean, it doesn't stop to being a different context from which people in Canada are living. So I'm, I'm curious about how they're going to react, how they're going to relate to the film. And so, yeah, that, yeah that, 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 that makes me a little bit nervous. And also it's because it's my first time in Canada. I have never been there. So oh, I've been traveling there by myself. So it's like always like, oh, how, how am I going to move through the city? And it's like, sure, sure. Well, I have no idea where you're staying, but I've, I've, uh, I've spent a fair bit of time in that city and in Toronto and grew up, grew up in, in just outside of the city. And it's, uh, it's beautiful. And I think you'll, I'm pretty sure you're going to be welcome with open arms and Hey, listen, I love how you say that your story, by the way, congratulations on the film. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's intimate. It's compelling. It's a story that needs to be seen. I think by, by every parent 
you know, uh, by every uh, Catholic priest, by every school teacher. Like there's a, there is a universal thread to this. I, I, John, tell me, why did you decide to put this on film? I think is the, is maybe for me, the, one of the most important questions because it's so personal, so intimate and you reveal so much. Sure. I think I'm going to part from this statement where I believe that the intimate can be universal and can be political at the, uh, the same point. And going back to the context, when I started the film, it was at the end, it was at the, uh, the middle of 2012. And we as Mexicans, we we had some time, some years, like let's say like four years living every day, this abrupt violence that took out so many lives, that disappeared so many people, and that you can still hear back then and even nowadays all the consequences that the war against narcotraffic brought. So when I reencounter with my family, in that year after five years of not seeing them and in the middle of those years my 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 dad was killed it was something huge for me like to recognize in each one of them these root problems that among our friend intellectual friends we we used to discuss through those years where we said like you know the government is like not really attacking the root problems what they are trying to solve with the army intervention is like the the ground beneath but not the root so when i reencounter myself with my family i saw clearly part of those root problems and i thought like i think that if i if i tell this story from this perspective it's going to allow to people to connect more because it's not going to be seen as an event or a situation that it's like a strong and, and has an impact, but it's going to be seen as something that can happen to everyone. And, and that for me was like really compelling. And I felt like I, I, I saw a great chance to highlight also these root problems and not only focus on the violence and the the fightings that they were strong enough for sure, but they were they were making us forget the real issues. So that's why I, I, I wanted to make it. John, I, I, I love how you talk about you. you there, there's a line I think where you are narrating, and I love to. Uh, I want to I want to say uh, well done on your narration because your narration just really is. Again, I've used the word compelling already, but it really drew. Uh, me in and reminded me of some great documentaries over the years that are that are so personal these personal road movies almost right and that's kind of what uh, what kamala really is or at least it is to me but it's it's um you say the line was i think if you could find his story i'll find the root of his pattern and then i can cut it i believe was your was your line can you talk a little bit about that without maybe giving away the story uh, uh, that that people are going to see in the film? And if, even if you want to give away the story, go right ahead, because I think this film is worth watching more than once, you know? So even if you do know the story, it's worth going back to. Thank you. Well, I think 
it was important to me to give this term of finding the root because also most of my family and in my case myself we we didn't know we didn't knew sorry um our backgrounds we didn't knew where we where we came from as family as members of a family no i mean because our family was well it is still divided and there were so many secrets and so many lies and so obviously you keep wondering like well in universal questions where do i come from right and i and you feel this necessity of knowing those aspects of your past or your family past to be aware of where are you nowadays so for me that was like saying this is the root but then if i am allowed to say as well i think that at the end something that i learned through this journey and through trying to find that root is that you're never going to find it. Mm. The, the truth is that, yeah, because at some point you you put a face to that root. That's something that I do or the film does through through the, while it's happening, no? Uh, but then you you discover it or you, we find this character that we tend to identify as the root. But then you see that it's not the root at the end. I mean, and that you're never going to be able to really find it because, and at the end, maybe it's not, I mean, it is important for sure, the knowledge and to have it and all these things that you discover. But at the end, what's most important is what you do with the knowledge. Right. So, so yes, definitely. I mean, my sister put it in a better words. She said like, to know who you are, you need to find and know the stories of the people who were in the past. So yeah, definitely. Was it, was it um, essential to you that what we as an audience get to see is as true of a representation of your past and your father's past and the people around him as possible? In other words, were there times, I suppose, you know, you talk about secrets and lies and it comes out in the film in a, in a really interesting and super political and, and, and fascinating way. But did you ever get a sense that you weren't actually being told the truth, you know, by some of your family members, that they were just creating more stories around story in order to maybe, oh, I don't know, perform for the camera or perform for you, you know, to, to, to let you down more easily. D does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it makes a whole sense. You know, I never thought that they were performing for me or for my camera, or for the film. But one of the things that I also learned, and it also was like a challenge to go through the film, is that I realized that I was not going to get one truth. I was going to get many. That's and, so good. Yeah, and, and it was like... You want you try you want to be objective because you also want to construct an objective narrative. So you think like, how am I gonna how am I gonna solve this? Because I am getting so many versions of the truth, and also I realize that for me and nowadays for everyone, it's really comfortable to adapt a, a position about something, and something that I also learned 
that I was cons constantly fighting when I was hearing all these truths and versions, it was that I always, when I arrived to an idea, when I was like, oh, this is like this, and of course I understand it, and that's why she's doing this, or he's doing that, or reacting to that, and then I heard another version that came and throw the, the, the aspect that I already thought that I knew. And it was, right. like, it was like, I don't know nothing, you know? I know nothing. So, so is that how you, is that how you stepped into the story too? Like, I mean, you, you give me the sense that you were really, you know, you were carrying a notebook and, and you were, you know, taking notes and, and, and you were discovering, you know, these things as you went, you probably knew a fair bit going in, but you, you struck me as a bit of a, a detective <laughs> as well, right? Taking on some fairly, I would think some big unknowns, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I never carry it. <laughs> I never <laughs> carry my a diary or something. You know, I think that I, it's linked to, to the previous question. What I did, it was my my. I get to a point in where I finally said, like, I am. I I can't make an impression of each one of the characters or each one of their their stories. What I'm just can do is sit and listen them. Mm. and to try to put them together um, according to each episode or to each, um, yeah, each, each episode of my father's life story. Uh, and just trying a little bit objective to just put on their place, put on their shoes and say like, well, he, he or she was more close to him in this point of his life. I don't know if it's what he's saying is like the, the the real truth, but I'm I'm gonna go for it. Uh, I mean, like the case of my grandfather, who has a strong personality, who has an, an incredible story. Uh, that even though nowadays, even though it's, it is put in this film with all this uh, footage, historical footage all of us tend to question like if it is true it is true that's why there's an that, that there is this intervention from the other character who mm. says i don't think it's true and it's like well we are allowed to ask ourselves if it is true or not um yes, I, and i think i have i would like to add that i like in cinema this ambiguity you know i like sure. this idea of not giving giving you the whole information. I wouldn't like to say the whole truth because I mean, I die to feel in cinema that what I am watching, it's true or it's true to me, but but I, I do like this ambiguity in information. And I think that, that, that it's something that the film allowed us to construct. Absolutely, I, and I would think, well, it, it, isn't real life full of ambiguity? Like, do, do any of us really know our own personal stories? You know, if we all took a camera and went into our past and looked for uh, different people, I mean, I, w I wonder, you know, to what degree is it really even all that important? But, but we still need to have, a, it seems to me, some kind of, I don't know, representation or, or, or understanding of where we've come from. I mean, that comes out beautifully. And I think... I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, but now I think we're talking about what's really important and that's the root. That's we're back to that root problem. Why the cycle of violence? 
why are women treated the way they are in, 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 in any, any culture, not just this one and so on. Um, Jean, did you ever, you know, you opened the film up I th uh, with your, uh, your mom uh, kind of in a, in, a, in a bit of a space of denial, it seems. Were you there when you started to film, when you started to ask some of these questions? Was there a part of you that said, I don't, I don't want to believe what I'm hearing about my father? I don't want to hear these stories? Or did you have a pretty good idea of what you were going to find out? I had, a, I had an idea of what I was going to face too. But it's interesting that you say it because even, even yesterday, I was reflecting on how different it is, and of course, common sense points that, that it was going to be like that. But when you imagine something, and maybe when you go through that in, in, at, the, at the time, maybe it's not that different from what you imagine. But the fact of being living it, it's so strong. And when I started, I knew things that I was gonna face too. I mean, I had an idea. Uh, this sense of the hitman father was something that I was aware of when I started. But I remember that one of the points that it happened near the, the beginning of the shooting, when I truly faced myself through hearing uh, what he did and how he did it, was something so strong for me. Um, and I actually thought about, like, I don't know if I really want to go, if I want to go for more, because at some point I thought that I wanted to, I wanted to, to how, how can I say, to, to explain, I wanted to, to sympathize with my father as a human being. Sure. Then facing this, it was like, it makes her more difficult. Well, you know, John, I've, I love what you say about sympathy because, and, 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 and empathy really too, because I love at the point in that film, and I hope I, it's okay for me to say this, but, you know, you were wondering, you were looking at a photo and you wondered, um, I'm just trying to look, would, would my father have fired these eight shots? You, you ask yourself that question in, in the film, and I wonder to what degree you were hoping that we were all asking ourselves the same question, right? Does that make sense? Like the, the empathy that I felt for you at that point in the film, as you were reflecting on, you know, your father and his life and, and some of the, 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 the horrible things that he, he, he took part in, I, I wondered if you were asking yourself that same question. And if I was then, I mean, I found myself saying, would I, how would I have behaved? You know, could I have worn the same shoes that this man did too? Does, does that make sense? Like, I, I don't know if that translates well or not. No, 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 no. I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. But what I'm trying to think is, but the question, Edie, what, what would you say that is like the main question? Were you, when you said to yourself about your father, would he have would he have fired those eight shots? Would he have yeah. killed that young boy as well? Were you really asking yourself that question as well? Do I do I have yeah. the ability right? And now we're back to patterns and so on. Definitely no, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that moment 
that moment came when I when I hear the situation that I that I say, you know, I mean, there's there's a part. I mean, I'm gonna spoil it, but I mean, it's it's not really a spoil. Um, when my sister is the one who confirms that, no, and the way she said the things that that was so strong, and and also, I mean, you, when you, I was I was, as I said, well, I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit back when we received this abroad violence through those years it was like it opened our eyes to what it was happening around i mean not only about you and i think that at some point by doing the film because it is so intimate and it's a story about family well you tend to focus on what happened inside your family but then i was constantly hearing news about uh, journalists who were killed in Mexico. Right. And I remember that case in particular that I mentioned in the film, that it was this woman journalist who was shot in front of her in front of her kid. And that created an impact because I was working, I was editing the film in that moment. And and it was so strong because I thought like, well, as, as I said, like as just mentioned, it's like, should my father have done this if he had the chance? For me, that was something so strong to ask because because you tend to, because there's some kind of violence or there's some kind of events that you recognize that there are in the film, but going to this other point where you feel what I feel that it's like something so strong to to take a position like that. So it's I think it's not it's it's impossible not to ask yourself when you are living when you are seeing every day this kind of violence. I would like to add um, about violence. There is a part where my grandfather mentioned that when you kill someone, you are, it's because you are out of your mind. I mean, he, he related to some mental issue. Sure. Sanity. And I, even though that I don't reflect on that inside the film, I think, I tend to personally ask myself, like, is that true? I don't think so. Because, I mean, especially in Mexico, I mean, I hear about women being killed in horrible ways every day and people disappearing every day. And so I think the violence and killing is something that we have. I mean, I cannot say, I, I wouldn't say like everybody, but that it seems like most of us could do that without any remorse or any reflection uh, because it's happening and we're seeing it. So I don't, and people continue with their lives or try to hide or try to run away. But it's like, wouldn't you feel, it's not supposed that you feel like bad with that, that you maybe, that you don't even have the force to run away or to try to set a normal life. I mean, how can someone set a normal life after those actions is something that I'm wondering, but that makes me think that you don't have to be insane really right. to murder someone. We like, I think my take is that we like to explain violence and evil and those type of horrors away in some way. Like we can, we can, we can sort of rationalize it by saying, Oh, well that was psychosis or that person yeah. was, 
uh, completely mad and therefore they created, you know, they committed these atrocities or these crimes. And I, I think you're right. I think your film is a really fascinating exploration of evil and how easily these types of things can take hold uh, of people in, in such a um, kind of a simple way, right? In a, in a almost understated way. And I, I think that sort of leads to my next question. I think it was, is, is your uncle Descartes? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yes. Yeah. Uh, fa fascinating uh, guy. Uh, and, and, and he, but he talked about getting involved in this narcos like world. Uh, what was the quote? Not for money, but for the thrill, not for money, but for, oh, the, for, thrill. The, yeah, for the thrill. Yeah. So, so is that what pulls people in? Do you believe that's what pulled your father into this into this lifestyle uh what i mean your mother certainly implies that she didn't get rich off of his his uh, life of crime um but but is it money is it power is it is it does it just sort of happen or is it back to the root and back to the pattern as i was saying i think that it's an amount of things that i mainly will direct to his personal necessities i think that and it feels weird to affirm the reasons because at the end I'm never gonna know. Right, right. Um, but I could, I, I tend to think that it is because he wanted some kind of validation for himself, and I think that because of the environment where he lived with his uncles, with his family, um, he felt that that kind of validation was the one that gonna make him feel fulfilled. Um, I think that, I don't know, that, yeah, I think that it was the environment around him, the one that fulfilled his expectations, the one that, the ones that make him like aspire, uh, where did he want to become or where did he want to be? And also because he saw that this kind of environment, like, yeah, it brings you power in a sense. And what is power? For him, power was having money and getting many women. So, so I think it is like that. And I think that he, with over time, he started to ambition more when maybe that um, concept of power was changing through the, through the years. Um, I, well, I, I am not sure if it was changing because, I mean, you hear stories about, especially in this part of Sinaloa, I don't know if you have heard of it, but the state of Sinaloa inside of Mexico, we can say that it was like uh, the creek of narcotraffic in Mexico mm. during the, I think it was through the 70s. So, well, my father lived there through those years. So I think that even being a hitman back then was something that was currently happened but i think that there was a boom of course when the drugs the war against narcotraffic started in 2006. so i think for, that's why i said like well this concept of power change through the time so i think that he that he wanted to maintain himself in fulfilling his expectations of what power consists and I think that that was. I think that that was because I. I think 
and I don't, and it's not that I want to be cruel or that I want to be resented or sound resented, but I think that for him that was more important than the fact of showing himself like, like a good parent, like a good husband, like such a, or a good son. But I mean, people, I mean, some of members of my family tend to tend to see him nowadays like like that, like he was a good son. He was, well, no, nobody can say that he was a good husband. Uh, and some of them tried to think that in some points he was, they tried to see the good on him as a father. Maybe me, maybe, maybe including myself. I mean, I, I could say that at some point he was lovable, but now I'm, right now, I'm truly like disconnected of him. You're, but you're I would right. say that he was kind of charming in some ways. Right, right. Yeah, I, I would I would imagine. And I mean, I think mo most of us at certain points in our lives are lovable, I think. Uh, you're right. I, I think that's true. You know, Jean, I, I love what you said about um, you feel like he his personal necessities, his need for validation. And I wonder, is that part of the pattern? Is that part of the root that you're talking about? So here's here's Jimmy who wants to be loved who wants to be included. He wants to be embraced by his community, by his family, by his friends. And this was the way he filled that. Is, is that what you're kind of trying to get at with Kamala, with this film, that you want us to be asking some of those questions about education? What did Uncle Dacker say? Or Dacker say, I didn't invest in my future. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah. yeah. I think I don't want to people to ask in particular about my dad because I I tend I think I took a position inside the film about my dad and it was well no I, I don't want to well yeah <laughs> I don't know should I spoil I mean it's it's not that it's not like a turn or it's not like a revealing I don't know right but not I, a big reveal uh, yeah no but I think my position is like I'm standing with the people that he hurt and i'm not saying about the people that the families that of the big of his victims or something like that no I'm, I'm not saying that maybe if i know them maybe i will stand for them as well but i stand for other for other kind of victims that are the women that that get to know him that he get along um so that's my position but if i want to people feel that they understood him or they they can um sorry what is what could be the word in, in english um yeah I, 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 there's another word but i think that understanding why he sure. ended up that i mean yes i want to them to understand but i wouldn't like to justify i wouldn't like to people to justify the actions that he took at the end, because for me, I think, I mean, me talking as a son of his, as his son, I thought, I think and thought that he took these decisions by himself. And so he's responsible for his right. actions. But I do want that the audience who see this film and who recognize themselves living these situations with their kids 
and when they feel that they're in a point when they can do something to prevent that their kids follow that way of violence, that's what I want. Um, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like people to justify my dad. Uh, well, I totally, not. I think I know exactly what you mean, John. The You want people to understand it. You would like people, I think, to empathize with it, but not to ever glorify it, not to ever say, oh, this was okay. There's that really interesting moment. I think it's Uncle Decor again who talks about how the narcos uh, industry helps to build buildings and 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 they uh, create jobs and electricians and <laughs> and I guess there's a lot of truth in that, right? I mean that that that's sort of the the darker side, I suppose, of capitalism in some respects, but but never to justify that, to understand it, but to to not justify it. You know, I you end the film so beautifully with that very uh, personal letter with your mom, and it's just it's a it's it's a it's a warm and loving and heartbreaking scene. Is would you say Kamala is about? Is it about home? Is it about community? Is it about that sense of 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 love from a mother to her son? I mean, it, it's a it, this film's a beautiful love letter. It just hit me. This film's a beautiful love letter. And then you were, you know, there you are ending the film with the letter. There's not really a question in there, John, but I, I just, well, there is, I guess it's embedded. I think, well, for me, the film, it's about autonomy. That's what it, what that, that has brought to me. Um, and that's what I think also that, I, that that's, that's my wish as well for each member of my family who are part of this film. You know, another person asked me if some members of my family had watched the film and what was the reaction. The main question that remained for me was like, do they do they make you closer? Do they make you apart? Sure. And I was reflecting on that with one of another member of my family last night. And and I realized like answer is that, that kind of questions is like to to just think in terms of white and black. And we are forgetting all the shades. And I sure. forgot because obviously my wish, my personal wish, it is like, yes, please. I hope that this film can uh, bring us together and forget about all these geographical and emotional divisions. But the truth is, I mean, by being realistic, is that that's not going to happen. It's sad, but it's the truth. But what it's got, what it's able the film to give us is this knowledge of to objectize our past, to watch it in less than two hours and recognize the patterns that had hurt us through our lives. And to now say like, where, where do I want to go from here? That's what I'm hoping. And maybe that will not include that, oh, I need to be more close with this other member of the family. Perhaps between some of them, they will. Perhaps between someone of them, they won't. I tend to think that, that, that they won't. But for me, also gave me this autonomy of saying, well, now I know where I come from. 
And that allows me also to know who I am, but also more important, it's what is my place mm. inside this family. And, and yeah, and, and for me, that's really important. I remember one, and I think, I mean, I'm going, to, I, I'm, I'm going to try to, to finish this. No, it's good. It's good. Uh, um, I remember that I, I, once I was having a drink with a friend in a bar and then a guy approached to us and he started talking to us uh, and we were told him like, oh yeah, we both are working documentary filmmaking. And then he mentioned like, oh, but you seems like, like two closest friends. Do you value so much your friendship? And I don't know if it was, if I was a little bit drunk, but my answer to him surprised me so much. And I believe it even nowadays. Well, I told him like, you know, yes, I value my friendships. I mean, friends are denominated, are called like a family that one chooses, right? But I think that for me, it's more important nowadays when you establish a friendship, a true friendship with your family. Because unfortunately, your family, well, you don't choose them. And you have to learn how to stand them, even though that you can be so different. And for me, that has been a lesson about how you get to love someone. Because I mean, in mm. personal relationships, I don't have that patient. If I don't feel connected, if I feel so different to someone else, I tend to go. And with my family, I don't go. I stay, even though that we are so different. And for me, that's beautiful. I, I, I mean, I, I, I was so surprised when I told him that because I felt like, where did I came from? <laughs> where did it come from? But, but, but it is true. I think I feel more proud to say that my family are my friends. It's a you know what, John? It's a beautiful way to, unfortunately, end our 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 interview and our conversation today. And I, I just want to say again how how thrilled I am. I've seen the film, and I'm so thrilled that you've made it. And you know, I can't. I hope we bump uh, cross paths together in Toronto in in the next few days as you come in. And uh, I am pretty sure audiences are going to receive your film well. I I love how this film about the 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 drug trade and about how this film about violence and about po politics and about the past is really ultimately about family, and I mean that is just such a beautiful thing and how your family is dealing with with its history and with its trauma and and all of these things and ultimately the way you end the film. Um, oh, by the way, I have to tell you, one of my favorite scenes is when you're with your mom eating, was it cake? You're eating carrot cake or something in the coffee, in the coffee shop. And you're, yeah. you're just having that beautiful, very open, uh, transparent conversation. And for me, that was, uh, it's just such, such a beautiful moment and, uh, you know, worth the price of admission, uh, to, to, to see your film. So again, thank you for your time and, and, and what a pleasure me meeting you here today. I, I'm so glad you've joined us on face to face. What's next for you after TIFF at more festivals? Yeah. Uh, we are amazing. going to have a premiere in Mexico during October. Awesome. That's amazing. What a pleasure having you on the show today, uh, Jean. Thank you. We've been talking with Jean Cassini about his, uh, beautiful, compelling and, and, um, moving uh, new film, uh, Kamala. Th thanks for your time today, Sean. Thank you for the invitation, David. I enjoy your conversation.
So I hope you enjoyed that interview with John Cassini uh, on Face to Face, talking about his new film that premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival called Kamala. Look for it on video on demand, uh, coming soon to a theater near you, I hope and trust, certainly a digital one. And keep your eye out and your ear out for it. I think you're going to be hearing more about the film and about Jean as well. We talked about so many things. We covered a lot of ground. And ultimately, when we wound up with you know, being a nice human being, we wound up with uh, family and friendship and loyalty and love. And that is a pretty good place uh, to be, it seems to me. Don't forget David Peck Live for more information about my speaking, my writing, face-to-facelive.ca to find out uh, the, the library of podcasts we have there. Please, if you're listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the page, like us there, please leave a review for us on iTunes. We sure would appreciate that. And subscribe for the podcast wherever you listen. That would be a huge help to us as well. Sign up for our newsletter on face-to-facelive.ca. We don't send out too many of those. And last but not least, please socially you know, mediate us when you can. Send us out on Instagram and Twitter. Like us where you can. And thanks for the support and for listening to Face to Face. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.